us. Let's stand together today and let's open our, our Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Father, we thank you for your word, your promise, the revelation of what you want to do in our lives. And Lord, we want to live in that abundant life that you promised to us, that fullness of life. And Lord, as we've looked at this these last two weeks, we pray you'd help us to just capture anything in our life, convict us at our core of anything we need to bring into line with your word, into obedience with your word. And Lord, just build us in you so we can live, Father, to give glory to your name. Father, help us today to hear you in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, we talked about this aspect of the best life ever and where it begins. It's a fundamental message, a key message. You can, if you missed it two weeks ago, you can go online the first week of November and, uh, and look on our, fa- on our, on our uh, website, and it'll take you right to it. And listen to where all of this begins at. And the last, last week and this week, we're talking about just a couple of fundamental teachings of Jesus that tell us kind of how we have to get our life in alignment with God. We read in Proverbs chapter 8, I want to read it again, verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Did you hear that? Blessed, happy, empowered are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Don't ignore instruction. Don't ignore what the word says. Don't neglect it. Blessed, again, happy, empowered, is the one who listens to me watching daily at my gates. Every day, daily, listen. God, what do I, how do I walk through this? How do I do this? Waiting beside my doors. Forever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. Here's this great instruction from the word about finding wisdom. That if we find it and we pay attention to it, we find the fullness of the Lord in our life and we obtain the favor of God. So we talked about some things last week and we gave you some assignments. I hope you've been uh, praying your way through those assignments this week. And I want to give you a few more things to consider today that are just fundamental teachings of the scripture. And the first one is this for the Christian. Control the tongue. 1 Peter 3.10 says this, for whoever desires to love life and see good days. How many of you want to see good days? Amen? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. When I was a, a boy, probably in junior high, you know, my mom and dad, they believed in volunteers. My dad learned how you got volunteers when he was in the Marine Corps. He always told me, we get, we get uh, volunteers the Marine Corps way. And I remember I asked him once, I said, how did the Marine Corps get him? He'd say, he'd say our DI would come out and say, I need three volunteers, you, you, and you. He goes, that's how they got, got volunteers in the Marine Corps, and I was in the Marine Corps, he said. And, and that's the way it was in our house. He needed volunteers, he'd come and say, you are it, come on and go this way. And my mom had done this to me one day. She'd come and said, I need somebody to clean out the garage. You're available. Come on out to the garage. And I, I, was, I didn't like it. You know, I, 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 there's, 
There's nothing in my bones that inspires me to want to clean the garage. I mean, sometimes it's necessary, sometimes it has to happen, but it is not like something that lights up my life, you know, with joy. My mom, I think it lights up her life. She likes to clean the garage. Her garage is spotless even to this day. Well, I was frustrated when she went inside. I, you know, I was, I was upset, and, but I knew I didn't have any choice. But I decided to try on one of these words, you know, that, uh, that my buddies at school used all the time. And I figured she was out of earshot. Nobody was around. So I tried on one of these words. And, uh, and, 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 and she, she wasn't out of earshot. And, I mean, she's right back out in the garage in a second. And, and, and instead of, but instead of punishing me, she talked to me about heaven and hell. And she told me that people who use language like that don't go to heaven. Now, you might think that's pretty heavy-handed, but it worked completely, thoroughly on me at that point in time in life. Because what the Bible teaches us is, is that, there's not, that we're not supposed to use coarse language. It's a very clear teaching of Scripture. Now, we, we think about using God's name in vain, but, but Colossians talks to us clearly about avoid, that the Christian, this voice, this, this mouth voice that's supposed to praise God, isn't supposed to use coarse language. People who worship God shouldn't be people who talk like that. And, and frankly, as a young guy, as a young guy, I, I thought that's what it was all about. As I grew up, uh, and I'd hear people use coarse language. I'd hear them say things. I'd think, well, man, there's somebody that needs to get saved. There's somebody that needs to, go to, he- that needs to get away to heaven. They're lost. And, and I think a lot of times that's the way a lot of Christians think when we think about our tongue. We've got to clean up our, our language. And certainly, that's something that the Bible would tell us is a wise thing for us to do and is something that we should do and so for me as a kid growing up, coarse language was shocking. But do you think that's the totality of what God is getting at? Many Christians who would never use a curse word miss some of the great teachings of God about our language. Now, there's famous ones like lying and using God's name in vain. But there's also other teachings, like being a person who uses their mouth to cause dissension, gossip, malice, slander, discord, to name a few that can all be carried out with our words, whether they're spoken or written. Gossip in particular is one that it can even be, you can even be telling the truth, telling an accurate story or description and be involved in gossip or in slander, hurting somebody. The Bible says this isn't a good thing. In fact, in James it says this, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire 
the entire course of life and set on fire by hell itself. So the Bible gives us instruction that if we want the best life ever, one of the things that we have to do is we've got to examine what we're talking about. What our, what, how we're talking about others. What we're saying in life. Whether our words are encouraging or tearing down. Whether our, courage, our words are life-giving. Whether our words are true or false. Whether our words are godly or ungodly. And if we don't, we set our families ablaze. If we don't watch them, we set our friendships ablaze. We may set our workplaces ablaze. We can set the church ablaze because we don't guard and watch our words. If we want the best life ever, we've got to look at what we're saying and what we're talking about. What are we joking about? What's coming out of our mouth? And put it in the right order with God. Here's the second thing. We've got to have a right moral code. Now, this can be very, very tough for people who grew up outside of biblical teaching and have just lived in the moral code of the culture of the day. There used to be a time in America where the moral code of the culture pretty much matched. They were, it was pretty much in sync, for the most part, in sync with the moral code of Scripture. We can't say that today. That's, that's not where things are at today. The moral code of Scripture and the moral code of our culture are many times at odds with each other, and definitely there's a grinding of the gears that's going on there right now. First Peter chapter 3 goes on to say, Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The moral code is not supposed to be a moving target. In fact, the basic foundation for the moral code was written in stone, literally. God wrote the Ten Commandments in stone so we would get them and understand them and understand what is right, out, what is right and what is wrong. Some out there are on the edge, and don't tempt us much, I hope. Thou shalt not murder. I hope you're not tempted to murder. If you are, please come forward for prayer today. But there are some that are mainstream ones that people want to shift with time. Cultures want to change them. Things like sexual conduct and what is sexually right and wrong. Things like honesty or stealing or drunkenness. These are, these are items that we have a way of excusing or justifying. Saying God understands my sexual immorality or my grandson's sexual immorality. Moral misconduct hurts others. And in the case of sexuality, the Bible teaches us that it harms us. 
makes us less than we should be, robs us of connection and feeling that we should have, and is destructive to our very being. Now, frankly, friends, for the person who's grown up with no church background or little church background, when you begin to talk about some of the things like sexual immorality, it can be a what-are-you-talking-about moment for some people because they're so used to the world that we live in. And maybe when you look at some of the things of Scripture, maybe that's the way you feel. Maybe you look at some of them and go, wait, that's, that's, that just can't be right. And you'll hear society and culture talk about the Word of God being antiquated or the Word of God being, you know, out of date or the Word of God, you know, being something that we need to adjust and, and re- redo. But the Word of God, friend, is supposed to be in our eyes, just that. God's Word to us for our faith and our conduct to teach us how society will work together and how we can have a right relationship with him. So we have these moments uh, of, of people being maybe shocked in the moment. What are you talking about? Especially for those who were born in this generation. And it's not just that easy for those who, who, who were in the church because for sometimes those in the church with a church background it can be a statement of, you just don't understand my circumstances. And God is warning us about both of those. That this is a destructive thing in relationships, and the moral code should be solid for all of us. Moral law should not be a moving target. It should not be in the hand of changing culture. It shouldn't be left to people's desires. If you study history at all, you know that this is what gets mankind in trouble, is when we begin to mess with the moral law of God. Ultimately, what Peter is teaching is that God blesses those who live by the standard of the Bible, and God hears the prayers of those who live by the moral standard of the Bible. If you're living outside the moral code, And your prayers aren't being answered. It's not that God can't answer them. It's not that God doesn't hear them. It's that God has turned. Peter says this. He's ignoring you just like you're ignoring him. You've ignored his word, his plea to you. And now he's ignoring you. If you want your best life ever, need to look inside the moral code of the Word of God and bring your life into alignment with the moral code. Number three, real quick. This this may be, this, this sounds right, this is an easy answer, but it's one of those things that is, uh, it's as tough as what we talked about last night, uh, last week when we talked about forgiving. It's this, put God first. In Matthew 22, 36, says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The desire to please him must be first in our life. After the death of Joshua and his generation, the children of Israel were left without clear leadership. 
they went through many, many years uh, of judges, where judges would arise and then the people would fall into sin, which was basically defined as living life their way instead of God's way. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's a key line throughout the book of, 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 of Judges. Everyone did what they, saw, what they found right in their own mind. That's, that's a surrendering of moral code. That's a surrendering of everything to do and what your heart feels like. And from time to time, some judges would rise up. After judgment would come, judges would rise up and, and would be moved, used of God to set the people free and to call them back to righteousness. You could name some of them right off, people like Gideon and Samson and, uh, that we would name right away and re- remember as some of the great judges. Some that you wouldn't know, names that you go through and you have to read carefully through the Scripture again to catch some of them. The next to the last one, the second to the last judge, was a guy named Eli. Eli was a judge over Israel for 40 years. That's no small feat. He had two sons. And here's how the Bible describes his two sons in 1 Samuel 2.12. Eli's sons were wicked men. Then it it gives us a definition of wickedness. They had no regard for the Lord. The Bible goes on to tell us that Eli would not restrain them. A man of God actually comes to him and says to him at one point, why do you honor your sons more than the Lord? Forgiving can be a really hard expectation, but it heals us. But here's an expectation that is right up there in toughness for us sometimes. We are called to put the Lord first in everything. To recognize him first in everything. Part of that is not making excuses for our sin. And part of that is not making excuses for those around us who don't regard the Lord and pretending in our minds or in our heart that what they're doing's okay. A couple of things to consider. You can't love others purely and rightly until you love God purely and rightly. Your love will always be tainted in some way until God's in first place. You won't restrain them or in any way spiritually until you first Love God and allow God to restrain and teach you. And you won't pray for them intensely until you love God first. If we want the best life ever, it starts really simply. It starts with this idea of us saying, you know what? The one I want to please most on this earth, the one I want happy with me most while I walk on this earth, is the one who created me. That means I want him, I want to love him and him to be pleasing, uh, to see me as pleasing more than I care about whether my wife sees me as pleasing. More than whether I care about my children seeing me as pleasing. And I'm going to point them and I'm going to recognize in them when they fall short of God's glory, when they disregard God, that I'm going to keep putting God first in every attitude of my life. 
in everything that I do. More than I want money, more than I want positions, more than I want things, I want God to be pleasing, for me to be pleasing to God. Putting God first leads us to our best life ever. Number four, friends, you've got to learn to pray. If you're going to be a person who experiences your best life ever, it comes in this relationship with God that you can only have in prayer. Nobody can do this for you. I can pray for you, but I can't develop a personal relationship with God for you. You've got to do that for yourself. You, you can't, nobody else can do that for you. You've got to take time alone with God. This is why we keep telling you, you've got to make an appointment with God and keep it. Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known uh, to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer brings us into the presence of God. Prayer invites God into our impossibilities. Prayer brings the peace of God into our hearts and our minds. When we learn to come before him and when we learn to thank him for all the good things that he has done for us, when we learn to submit every area of our life to him, when we learn to come before God and say, God, is there anything you want to talk to me about? Is there anything... I need to re-examine in my life and we let him move and speak to our hearts and we say, I want to put everything in the right place before you. That's when we begin to grow in this intimacy with God. Let me be clear. Jesus wants you to have a better life. He teaches us truths that will help us. We've just hit on a few of them this week and last week. Truths in his word that if you'll apply them to your life will begin to take some tension out of your life, will begin to take some of the fire, fire storms out of your life, will begin to take some of the destructiveness out of your life that is self-imposed and imposed by the world of sin if we'll begin to obey his word. doesn't mean everything will be smooth every day because guess what? You live around other people who cause storms. But it'll mean that you begin to bring peace into the situation. It helps because it is wisdom. It is wisdom that gives us right living and invites God into all of our circumstances. It invites God to be a part of them. But still, it's not simply about that. Jesus said, listen to this question. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul. In other words, if you have the best life ever here, if you get every dream here, if everything you ever desire goes your way here, if everything you would ever want and long for falls right into your lap here, and you miss heaven, He says, what good is it? What is a profit? Friends, this life is a, it's a blip on time. It's a breath. It's a mist that appeareth for a moment and vanisheth away. 
while eternity is forever. Jesus gave himself on the cross, taking on your guilt and mine so that we could have new life in him. He came to this earth to seek and to save the lost. That's you and me. He came to pay the price on the cross that we would otherwise have to pay for eternity. He came so that we could have new life. His suffering for us. His blood to cover us. His humiliation for our victory. And yet we have to do something about it. He gives us that chance. It's a day, just like today, that each of us will remember for all eternity. We'll either remember it in hell, full of regret that we gave up heaven and the presence of God for this world. Or we will remember it in heaven as the supreme moment of life when we put our faith and trust in Jesus and began the best life ever. What are you going to do with Jesus? Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, today in Jesus' name, I just pray that, Father, as we have talked about the tongue today, as we've talked about our moral code today, Father, as we've talked about these very, very important issues of putting you first in our life and being a people of prayer, that, Father, today your Spirit would speak to each and every one of us about making you the Lord of our life in every area, putting you first in our life. Father, if, if we're here and we're breaking the moral code, Father, repenting today, turning today, putting our faith in you today, our trust in you today. And Lord, if our tongue is out of control, if we've learned to find joy and gossip, if we've learned to find, uh, Father, some self-fulfillment in, in, in words that are malicious or slanderous or building discord or dissension, Father, if we stretch the truth to our favor, Father, just convict us today by the power of your Spirit. Let's begin to get our life in order. Father, if our, if our mouths are full of coarse language that don't honor you, let us get our lives in order today. Help us in all of that, we pray. In these moments, Father, I just pray you challenge our hearts and convict us to start down new paths that will bring new life, new, a new relationship with you as we walk in obedience to you. Father, I just pray today you'd help every one of us right now by the power of your Spirit. We invite you to speak to every one of us about the condition of our soul before you. Your Son paid this price for us. We are called to put our belief in Him, to surrender our life to Him, to be the Lord of our life here and the Savior of our life for eternity. And so, Lord, I pray you do that work in us today in Jesus' name.
in Jesus' name. As every head stays bowed, every eye closed. Maybe over these last few weeks you've been thinking about this. Maybe you've come in here today, and today you're just thinking about it. But have you taken that step to ask Christ into your life? Have you done that? Nobody can do that for you. Have you done that? Nobody's going to stand before God for you. You're going to stand before him on your own. And he's given you away. He sent his son in love to, take, to pay our price so that we could stand before him forgiven. You say, Pastor, today I want to make sure my heart's right with God. We just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm giving you just a second across this room to say, Pastor, I want to make sure my heart is right with God today. Anyone here looking across this room for just a moment? Father, you know the condition of every heart. You know the condition of every life. If we're all in this room, if all of our hearts are right with you, we rejoice in that. But Lord, we also pray that you would challenge us to bring people who don't know you and to be a witness to them and to share faith with them. And Lord, let us be a people who are active in this day and the few hours that we have upon this earth to draw the un the unbeliever into a full relationship with you. Put that flame in our heart. Father, if there is someone here today who they're, denied, they're, they're just resisting what it takes, Father, to be fully yours, pray you con continue to convict them with your love and your compassion. We'll love you and praise you for it every day in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together today.